Good evening, everybody, or good afternoon, whatever. I'm still not used to it. <laughs> It'll go back before I get used to it. So <laughs> It's time to begin our service. Tonight we'll have two songs, and then John will have our reading and prayer, one song, and then Chris will have our lesson. I don't have anybody running the duck blind this evening, or this afternoon, so... You'll see me up here doing a lot of different things, and thank goodness the screen is working where I can see it. So if you would, let's stand. Our first song will be number 866. 866. people back there now just get the song slides and then I'll get the rest I'll bring you back this when I get there our next song is number 400 400 living by faith I cannot today with the
Let's pray at this time. Our gracious Heavenly Father, again, we're thankful for that you blessed us to come together to worship, to sing these songs, Father, to express how we do live, Father, that we, we do helpfully pray and live by faith. We thank you so much that you're in charge of this world and in charge of what goes on in this world, and, and we do pray your, your blessings upon our country, upon the, the country of Russia and the country of Ukraine. And, Father, for the decisions that are being made there by mere men, that they are decisions that uh, will stop the fighting, stop the, the, all the attacks, and, and, Father, things will go back to the way they were. But, Father, just pray that you will, if it's, if it's evil that's going on, which it is, we pray, Father, that that will stop. But, Father, we do pray that it be your will no matter what happens, Father. And we know, according to the Scripture, that all things are under your control. Father, we just pray that you will bless the situation, that it won't escalate into anything further as well, again, if it be your will. Father, we thank you for the songs that we have to sing. We thank you, Father, for the times we have to listen to your word being taught, to your word being preached. And, Father, we do thank you that you've blessed us all to come together again tonight, that you've kept us safe and that you've blessed us to be here to encourage one another and to, to show our love for one another. Father, we're thankful for the way you take care of us, for the way you provide the rain for us, the sunshine, the, the warm days, Father, and the, and the changes of the season, Father. We just pray that you'll always, we know that you're always going to do those things for us. Father, we're thankful for your word and for what we can gain out of it to, to know that you are going to control the world and the seasons and the different things that happen father and father we just pray your blessings that your will be done father we do pray your blessings on those who are sick as well we've got so many in the congregation but especially at this time that you will be with Kristen and and father for the faith that she and james and the kids have father we just pray that you'll bless them and strengthen them in the days ahead father Father, we also pray for Jennifer Baker and Casey and the family, that you'll bless them as she's facing some pretty major treatments, that we pray that they will be successful and that her cancer will be stopped. Father, we pray for the many others that have cancer, that those diseases, if all possible, can be stopped, Father. But again, if it be your will. Father, we're thankful for people like Larry Faulkner and others who have been namesakes, Father, for this congregation for many years. and through their, her, his dad and as being one of the elders here, Father, we just we pray your blessings on that family at this time at, at Larry's uh, death, Father. 
And Father, we continue praying for the Sullivan family, that you'll bless them. And, and Father, just so many that's just died this, this year so far, that it just seems like we're uh, facing more and more of it every day, but we know that you're there for us. And Father, we pray that we'll be Christians, that when we die, we do have that hope of heaven with you. Father, we do pray for Marvin Jordan, that you'll bless him, and we're thankful that Pam is able to be with us, and we pray that you'll bless her, and Sean Maynard, and Doris Pritchard, Father, Mary Elkin's sister, Father, for Raymond Iker, uh, and Father, for so many others that need you, and again, Father, those who uh, are having hard times, as in Roger, Pryor, and Peg, that you'll bless them, that you'll help them. And Father, also for the many that aren't able to be with us, uh, Margaret Wilgus and Eloise Hayes and John Klein and Brenda, Opal Galloway, Karina Calicote, Yvonne Cornell, Babe Jones, John Delane, Wilma Warner, Charles Sloan, and we could go on and on and on. But we just pray that you'll bless them and, and help them that someday, maybe this summer or when it gets better weather, and that they can be able to be with us again. Father, just continue to bless us in our service tonight. Continue to bless us in this world as we try to live for you and try to live as we should. Forgive us, Father, when we deal with others as we shouldn't. Father, help us to do the right thing. Help us to, to be blameless, Father, in front of everyone else. Bless us and forgive us, Father, at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Scripture reading tonight is from 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verses 1, 2, and 3. 2 Chronicles 33, verses 1, 2, and 3. <clears throat> Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem, but did, not, but did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had broken down, and he reared up altars for Balaam and made groves and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. Our next song is number 456, 456, No Tears in Heaven. If you would, let's stand for this song, please. No tears in heaven, no sorrows given, all will be glory in that land. There'll be no sadness, all will be gladness, with we shall join that happy band. No tears, no tears, no tears up there, sorrow and pain will all have flown. No tears. Oh. 
Our song of invitation will be number 767, Who at the Door is Standing. Good evening. We're in 2 Chronicles chapter 33 tonight as we deal with uh, Hezekiah's son. He is a king named Manasseh. He is not a good king, but he has a, a very interesting story and a story that I think we can learn some things from. So... Let's be flipping over to Second Chronicles chapter 33. His, his story is also told in the book of Second Kings, um, but you find essentially in Kings what you find here in Chronicles. So tonight I think we're just going to deal with, with his story from, from the book of Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 33, I'll start in verse 1. He says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. So Manasseh has the longest reign of any king in all of Israel, in all of uh, certainly the southern nation, but I believe even in the northern nation, no other king reigned longer than Manasseh does. For a lot of the kings, that long reign is indicative of righteousness. David reigned for 40 years. His son Solomon reigned for 40 years. Both these men, certainly David, uh, is characterized by righteousness, and Solomon, for the most part, I suppose, uh, could be characterized as righteous as well. Usually, uh, when the chronicler tells us uh, that these men reigned for several decades, it's because they were righteous. Uh, if they only reigned for a very short period of time, it's because they were wicked and they did, they did wrong things. Manasseh's son, Ammon, is only, only going to reign for two years, and that is certainly the case for him. He also is a wicked king. Manasseh is interesting because he starts reigning when he's only 12. It's pretty young for a king, isn't it? So if you remember from Hezekiah's life, Hezekiah has this section of his life where he becomes very, very ill. And it looks like he's going to die. In fact, God has uh, said that Hezekiah is not going to recover from this illness and he's going to die. And so Hezekiah prays to God and he begs essentially God for more time. And God allows him 15 more years. Three years after that incident with the sickness... Manasseh's born. So you begin to see this scene setting up in your head. Hezekiah's an older man at this point. Manasseh uh, is born when he is older in age. And so you, you kind of get maybe the impression uh, like, so, like some of us have as you age and you have a child, then maybe that child is, is perhaps more loved or you dote more on that child than you, did, than you would have on the younger ones. We don't know that to be the case, but we do know that Hezekiah was a good and righteous man. From all intents uh, in Scripture, from every observation that we find of King Hezekiah, he's a good, solid, righteous man who makes godly decisions and does right things. We talked a little bit about him, I think it was last week. Manasseh, or Hezekiah just does all the right things. 
Uh, he tears down, finally tears down all the high places that the children of Israel and that the kings of even the southern nation had, al- had allowed to continue. Uh, they'd built these high places on top of mountains. They would go up there and they would worship. Most scholars think that they were worshiping Yahweh, but they weren't worshiping at the correct place. They were supposed to worship at the temple. And they had just picked this mountain, very pagan idea that the higher you are, the closer you are to heaven, the closer spiritually you are to God or the gods. So that pagan idea has picked itself up and Israel has ran with it. And so they have had these high places for a little over 200 years at the point that Hezekiah starts tearing them down. Several kings have, uh, at least in the southern nation, have obliterated the, the false idols, the Baals and the Azuras and the Poles and all those kinds of things, the false idols. They've, they've obliterated those things, but not a single one of them tears down the high places. Not even the righteous one tears down the, the, the high places, but Hezekiah does. He tears down the high places, but it's not very long after he has died that Manasseh starts undoing all the things that Hezekiah had done. You'll find that here in verse 2. And, when, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And it's just one more reminder that this wasn't appropriate for the nations of Canaan. It's not going to be appropriate for the nation of Israel either. Uh, and so this idea that they need to be worshiping God and only him, that he's a jealous God and that there will be uh, judgment for worshiping false idols is, is just replete through the books of Kings and Chronicles. You find that here again with Manasseh's story. That's, in fact, why he kicked the, the original inhabitants of Canaan out of the land because they refused to submit to him. They refused to stop worshiping these idols. And so finally, when their uh, sin had reached its fullness, uh, it's kind of like a cup uh, overflowing. Uh, when their sin had reached that point, God sends in the Israelites and they uh, are told to wipe them out. And this, this is why, because they refused to stop worshiping idols. They refused to listen. They were immoral. The exact same thing that's going to get, they got them kicked out of Canaan is going to get the Israelites kicked out of Canaan. They just can't see it. Verse 3, he says, For he rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had broken down, and he erected altars to the Baals and made Asherah and worshiped all the host of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord. He goes into the temple and builds altars, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall be my name forever. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he burned his sons as an offering in the valley of the son of Hinnom, and used fortune-telling and omens and sorcery, and dealt with mediums and necromancers. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. It's just kind of a laundry list of all the things you shouldn't do. Manasseh, is, it's like he goes down the list. His dad does all these things right. He eradicates uh, idol worship. He refuses to allow the high places to stand. Uh, he, he restores and repairs the temple. He leads his people in righteousness. Hezekiah sees all those things, at least for the first 12 years of his life, and has chosen to do the exact opposite of those things and do the exact opposite in such flagrant and and obvious ways. Um, many kings worshipped false idols, right? Uh, 
Manasseh's grandfather, Ahaz, Hezekiah's own dad, is going to worship false idols. But not many kings, especially not many southern kings of, of Judah, bring those idols into the Lord's temple and make them worship them there. And so this is, this is flagrant sin, um, flagrant rebellion. He knows what's right. He's choosing to do what's wrong. And he just continues making these types of decisions for a lot of years. In fact, he, he does, uh, is involved with fortune-telling and omens and sorcery and mediums and necromancers, stuff that hasn't been involved, uh, Israel hasn't been involved with and hasn't really had a problem with all the way since the days of Saul. Uh, so this has been almost 300 years at this point, 250 or so years, uh, that they have been not having a problem with worshiping um, or, or with asking these mediums and necromancers the future and this fortune-telling stuff. The last time you hear about that is during the reign of King Saul, and then David eradicates all those people, we assume. But here they've come back under the, the evil reign of Manasseh. Verse 7, and he carved the image of, an, of the idol that he had made and set in the house of God, which, of which God said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And I will no more remove the foot of Israel from the land that I appointed for your fathers. If only they will be careful to do all that I have commanded them, all the law, the statutes, and the rules given through Moses. So he knows what's right. And he's chosen to do what's wrong. That's us, isn't it? Sometimes that's us. We know what's right and we choose the opposite, right? Uh, God's will, his law, is not difficult to discern. He's written a book so that he can tell us what he would have us to do. And his will for us is not difficult to understand. Sometimes it's difficult to apply, though, isn't it? It's difficult to live out. Uh, In Luke chapter 9, he says, you, you pick up your cross every day and what? Follow after me. It's very difficult. It's easy to say that, isn't it? It's difficult to do that. And so while we may know what is right, we often choose to do something else. Because living in submission to him is difficult, isn't it? Living in submission to anyone would be difficult. But he demands wholehearted devotion from us. He demands every day that we die to ourselves. It's not hard to understand. It's hard to apply. Manasseh just doesn't want to apply that that concept to himself. Listen to what else he says in verse 9. Manasseh led Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem astray to do more evil than the nations of whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people, but they paid no attention. Therefore, the Lord brought upon them the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria who captured Manasseh with hooks and bound him with chains of bronze and brought him to Babylon. The great king of Israel, who reigned 55 years, this powerhouse king, was taken to Babylon in humiliation. Most likely, when these, these hooks and chains were put on him, he was probably pretty close to, to nude as these things uh, are, are, are as he's bound in this way and he's led, walked he's forced to walk the great king who normally would ride uh, a white stallion into battle or would ride a chariot he's walking, humiliated all the way from Judah back to Babylon 
So you wonder what happened. What, what went astray with, with, with Manasseh? He's got a good dad, right? Hezekiah's a righteous man. He no doubt taught Manasseh exactly like, like what we would teach our children. Do right things. Love God. Put other people first, right? I'm, it would be beyond me to believe that Hezekiah did not teach or at least have those things taught to Manasseh. But for whatever reason, he does not uh, uh, learn those lessons. And we see that when he had this great opportunity, he, he understood what God would have for him, but he's chosen something different. We see in him one of the most flagrant and rebellious sinners. But that, that seems to be the case with people who know what's right and choose to do what's wrong. Often those are the ones who, are, their consciences are so seared that they're capable of great evil. But on the flip side of that, the folks who have been forgiven much by God turn into some of God's greatest generals, don't they? Think of uh, Saul of Tarsus. Here's a guy who is a murderer by his own account is a murderer, refuses to hear out uh, what Stephen has to say and, in fact, is uh, okay with him being martyred. His conscience is clean, he would say later. He doesn't have any regrets. But then God gets a hold of him. And he changes something in Saul. So much so that Saul's not even called Saul anymore. His, name, his new name's Paul. And he becomes one of God's greatest generals. One of the guys who fights against Satan and, and the evils uh, that he tries to work in our lives. God's not done with Manasseh either, though. Check out the rest of his story. In verse 12, St. Chronicles chapter 33, verse 12. And when he was in distress, he entreated the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. He prayed to him, and God was moved by his, in, uh, by his entreaty, entreaty, and he heard his plea and brought him again to Jerusalem, into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. So there's Manasseh, bound, humiliated, in a foreign country, in prison, and he all of a sudden comes to himself, much like the prodigal does in Luke chapter 15. He wakes up and he cries out to God, like we've been talking about with the period of the judges in our Bible class on Sunday mornings. He comes to himself and he cries out to God for salvation. And what does God do? Well, he's faithful and just. And so he, he offers that salvation. He brings Manasseh back to Jerusalem. It's interesting that you don't see anything. There's no word of Babylon. There's no word of the Babylonian king. I'm not even sure who the Babylonian king is at this point. But there's no mention of them like it wasn't even their decision to let him go because it wasn't. God was and is completely in charge and he wanted Manasseh back in Jerusalem and so Manasseh came back to Jerusalem. And he knows that now that the Lord is God. He said He's, he's solid. From here on out to the day he dies, Manasseh will follow God. It's a day late and a dollar short, though. 
His own son's going to follow his evil, his earlier wicked ways. The nation is going to fall off the cliff into idolatry and immorality. And very soon they themselves will be taken off into Babylonian captivity. What I want you to hear though is, it wasn't too late for Manasseh. God is, how does Peter put it? Slow. Manasseh came back to God, and God saved him. It's kind of an interesting, interesting story here. You don't see this happen very often. Uh, usually when you see an evil king, he is maybe starting off good, like Rehoboam starts off well, but then ends off wicked. Manasseh starts off wicked, but ends well. And it's just uh, an illustration of what Peter says. There in Second Peter chapter three, chapter two, God's not slow uh, to to uh, to give judgment, but He's waiting for one more to come to salvation. Manasseh is that one more. Earlier in his life, he's an unbeliever and he was proud, and pride has a way of taking away his faith. He loved his sin. He couldn't believe what God said, and still go about sinning. Well, who would do that? To believe that God will judge us by our actions and not do anything about it would be insanity, wouldn't it? To believe what God says, to know that there's going to be judgment, and to know that our sin has condemned us, and not do anything about it would be the worst kind of foolishness. So Manasseh, like many of us, chose not to believe. So he could continue doing what he wanted to do anyhow. That's why he shed innocent blood. You find here and throughout the rest of his story that, uh, and that he shed innocent blood. History tradition tells us that uh, it was probably Manasseh that uh, martyred the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah is a court prophet. He's prophesied to Hezekiah and several kings before even Hezekiah all the way back to Uzziah. Uh, and so Isaiah has a long history of prophesying to the kings of Judah. It seems likely to me that he probably, probably prophesied to Manasseh. Manasseh didn't like what he heard, much like John the Baptist prophesies and calls out uh, Herod and what happens to John. He's murdered. I think the same thing happens to Manasseh. Isaiah probably comes to him and indicts him over his sin. We see that with Isaiah repeatedly throughout, the, throughout his book, indicting Israel against their sin. Seeing, seeing that this morning, even in Isaiah chapter 1, he indicts people for their sin. And he's not going to let a king off the hook any more than he will just a regular person. So it seems likely to me that uh, Isaiah probably indicted Manasseh for his sin, and Manasseh has him killed, at least if tradition is correct. Isaiah was sawn in half. Sometimes we're like that too, though, aren't we? We become an unbeliever simply because we don't want to give up what we're so attached to. Sometimes we want to continue doing what we want to do despite what God's Word says, despite what God says. We're going to continue doing what we want to do, and it takes sometimes 
an event like the one that Manasseh has, uh, has here to wake us up, much like the prodigal has. It takes something big like that to wake us up. Let's read how, how Manasseh's story ends. Start in verse 16. He makes all these um, sacrifices. He, he does all these uh, rejuvenations. He, he's trying to do the things that his dad did. He's going to rebuild the, the wall. He's going to have uh, armies in Judah. He's taken away the foreign gods. Uh, in verse 16, he also restored the altar of the Lord and offered on it sacrifices of peace offerings and of thanksgiving. And he commanded Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. He, he's commanding. He didn't request. He commanded that they do this thing. But what happens? Verse 17, nevertheless, the people still sacrificed at the high places, but only to Yahweh, their God. So he's made a decision all the way throughout his life. And this um, influence that this man has had uh, on the nation is going to be quite difficult to give up for them. And so while he has changed, they have not. They had uh, an, an incredible giant to stand on the shoulders of with his dad and Hezekiah who just brings the nation back to God in these unfathomable ways. Hezekiah brings God, uh, the nation back to God, but then Manasseh undoes all of that. It's amazing what one man can undo the entire life of, of a good man, but he does. And then toward the end of his life, he comes back, but the people won't. Their hearts are turned away from God now. Their hearts are hard. They're not ready to hear. They don't want to listen. They want to do what they want to do. Verse 18, now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer to go to his God, and the words of the seers who spoke to him in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, they are in the chronicles of the kings of Israel. And his prayer and how God was moved by his entreaty and all his sins and his faithfulness and the sites on which he built high places and set up the ashram and the images before he humbled himself. Behold, they are written in the chronicles of the seers. So Manasseh slept with his fathers, and they buried him in, the, in his house. And Amon, his son, reigned in his place. There again, toward the end of his life, you see, he's not buried in the house of David. He's buried somewhere else. He's not considered, at least for the most part, as a righteous king, though he has uh, this righteous ending. All to say, it's never too late to come back. You might have to deal with some of the consequences, the fallout from your actions. Uh, like you see with Manasseh here, the country doesn't come back. They're lost. Uh, and very quickly after Manasseh dies, they're going to go into Babylonian captivity. It's not going to be too many years after he dies that they do that. But it wasn't too late for Manasseh. There was still hope. As long as he lived, there was still hope. Because God wants one more to come to him. So maybe tonight that's you. Maybe you've been wondering and waiting and thinking. and Maybe God's been working on your conscience a little bit. Maybe you've been reading through scripture and praying and, and seeking his heart. Well, tonight's the night. Tonight is the night where you can make things right with him, where you can come to him and confess your sins and be made whole through the power of baptism and have your sins washed away and become a part of his family here. Maybe you've already made that decision and you just need the prayers of this congregation to be who God would have you to be. 
won't you come tonight as we stand and sing? Hello, church family. A uh, couple announcements before we are dismissed. Um, as a reminder that uh, young, young at Heart is next Tuesday, March 15th. Also, uh, men, don't forget to sign up for the men's retreat. Uh, the 13th is the last day to sign up. Uh, so please sign up then so that way we have a record of who's going to the men's retreat on March 18th through the 19th. Um, updates on our prayer list. Uh, remember, continue to keep Roger Pryor in your prayers. Um, he's now at home, um, but remember, continue to keep him in your prayers. Remember to keep uh, the Sullivan family in your prayers, the loss of Junior, and our sympathy goes out to them. Also, the Faulkner family, uh, Larry passed away Saturday, uh, so remember that family in your prayers. Arrangements have not been made yet. Uh, check on, we'll put, put something on Facebook when... We know more about the arrangements for Larry. Also, remember, continue to keep Jennifer Baker in your prayers as she goes under her tr cancer treatments. Uh, remember to continue to pray for Kristen Ward at this time as well. Uh, remember to continue to keep uh, uh, Hunter Thompson's friend, uh, Tucker, in your prayers as he's going through a difficult time. And keep uh, the Lawson's grandson, J.D., 
in your prayers. He's 14 and is having heart complications. He has a pacemaker, and they are uh, cutting it off and on to, to test uh, and do some work on his pacemaker. So remember to continue to keep him in your prayers at this time. That's all the announcements I have. Sue Powell is in Georgia uh, with her daughter after her eye surgery, so keep uh, Sue in your prayers as well. That's all the announcements. I have, if you have not had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper, it has been prepared in the conference room. You may leave and do that now. We'll sing one more song, and Blake Trevathan will have our closing prayer. Our last song this evening, this afternoon, this evening, is number 853, God is so good. Sing all four verses. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. He answers prayer. He Father, we thank you for this day and everything you've given us, and thank you for Chris for bringing us the lesson today, and we pray for the Sullivan family with their loss, and we pray for the Wards and Kristen, and pray for the Bakers and the Faulkners, and thank you for letting us all come here to learn more about you and help us take something from it and apply it to our lives and go out and show your light to others, and thank you for Jesus on the cross to forgive us of our sins, and thank you for all the blessings we have. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.